बाउंड हाय एवरीवन आई एम तारा हाय आई एम मिशेल वेलकम बैक टू आवर पॉडकास्ट बुक्स एंड बियॉन्ड विद बाउंड सीजन फोर वेर वी स्पीक टू सम ऑफ द फाइनेस्ट राइटर्स इन इंडिया टू फाइंड आउट व्हाट मेक्स देम टिक Yes, and we are editors, podcasters, and storytellers. And through Bound, we help you create stories and put them out into the world. Tara, what is the spookiest thing you've ever encountered till date? Why? <laughs> well, for me, actually, reading Chandrama Das's book Young Blood was one of the spookiest experiences ever. Like, I mean, her stories are set on college campuses throughout India, and they are actually based on urban legends. And I was, you know, I, I was so scared, Tara, that I had to keep the lights on throughout. You know, I was reading at night, but I was so scared. So I'm just excited to speak to her today. Yeah, you know, the, the I love the book. I usually don't read horror. Uh, I don't watch horror mm-hmm. movies, but I could not get out of this book. So today's episode is not just a horror special, but it's very close to our hearts because it this book was edited by Bound, um, and that's why we have included a very special section where our editor Eshwarya dissects the horror genre with Chandrama. So there's a lot of laughs and spooks ahead. Yeah, and actually, you know, in horror, Tara, atmosphere is one of the most important elements, right? Like, unlike other genres. So, I really want to know how did she manage to make these stories come alive? You know, like, like I actually felt them coming out of the page and gripping my throat. <laughs> oh my god! And I wanted to know about the research that she did, and I also wanted to know how her IIM brain, she's so methodical. then translates into content because the way she thinks about content is very process oriented plus creative anyway before we get into that there's a reminder for all podcast enthusiasts and anyone who's a who is a creative person with a great idea we are now creating many more original podcasts even with chandrama who's creating a con- concept and a podcast with us so we want to work with amazing and promising creators to create podcasts across categories and genres history mental health science all of it so if you have a podcast idea that you've been wanting to work on um and you want to work with us pitch your podcast to us we are now accepting pitches and we'll see how and if we can work together see the link in the show note for more details on how to pitch us your podcast idea and how we can work together For now, let's dive into Chandrama's world of horror. Hi, Chandrama. Hi, Tara. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here with you. Hi. I firstly got goosebumps when I when I read your book because it's a it's a horror book which is so unlike you know uh, something that I generally read. So it was very very refreshing. So our conversation, of course, will have a lot of scares and jumps <laughs> along the way. But okay. you know, we have actually um, kept it. I mean, we are going to be speaking in three sections, right? So the very first one is where we get to know more about Young Blood, more about you, and you know, how did you evolve from a management graduate to actually a horror writer, which is very fascinating, right? And the second section, which is usually our reading recommendation section, this time will be hosted by Eshwarya Jawalgekar, who's Uh, actually, the host of our sister podcast, The Book People, and she actually edited and evaluated Chandrama's book, so she couldn't wait to ask her questions. So this whole section will be covered by Ishwarya, where she will be, you know, dissecting the horror genre with you. 
And the third section is our signature rapid fire round, which most of our guests love. And the reading recommendations will come this time in Eshwarya section. So look out for that. Yes. You know, Chandrima, you've had quite an amazing story. Uh, we, you know, you've been associated with Bound for quite a while. You've been a member of our community and we have been following your work since you self-published your book, The Talking Dead, which was a super hit on Amazon. And now you have published Young Blood with Harper Collins. Uh, but before all of that, you know, I'm always very curious, even um, our, our, uh, the host of uh, the book people, Aishwarya, her favorite genre is horror. And when I meet these people whose favorite genre is horror and who want to write horror, I'm always asking myself, <laughs> why? So what what pulled you into horror's cold embrace? Horror's embrace feels warm to me. That's a, It's a very strange thing to say, but I think... Uh... I'll have to go back to my origin story for this. Every supervillain has a good origin story. And so I'll, I'll tell you mine. So, so I uh, come from, uh, I was born in Shillong and I was brought up in Guwahati. So these are cities in Northeast India. And uh, I didn't understand this at the time. But when I look back, I see that we have a very strong oral storytelling tradition in the region, which involves, you know, folk tales. And a lot of the stories kind of bend the boundary between what is human perceived reality and sort of other layers of reality that are there, which include obviously the paranormal, the supernormal, you know, folk animals, fantasy, it breaks all those kind of dimensions. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but a lot of like the folklore and sort of the stories that we exist in, because it feels like, you know, it feels like water to a fish. I was kind of picking up a lot of that. The second thing that happened because I come from where I do, my father is a storyteller. He loves, you know, telling stories. He's the kind of person where if there's a social gathering, he'll be sitting in the middle and three people will be like, you know, Mithuda, can you tell us a story? That's kind of like, it was, we grew up with that. So my father used to work in a different city than, uh, than my mom and he'd travel back on weekends. So every weekend, me and my brother would get a fresh, you know, farm organic farm grown horror story and my father loves the genre so um, you know much to my mother's discomfort we watched the shining when i was like 13 years old <laughs> which is probably not appropriate oh for a 13 year old really? to watch <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so horror is my heritage it's almost like i would say horror fantasy magical realism all of that that is my heritage and it's an inheritance and i so i i love where i come from and I love my father a lot. So for me, this is this comes from a place of love and not fear in a very, very strange, twisted way. And I, I am a Stephen King fan. So he said once that, you know, everyone has strange obsessions. Mine is just a marketable one. So this is my marketable strange obsession. <laughs> I love that line. Horror is my heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tara. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more than the actual horror writing, of Stephen King. I love his book on craft, which is a very simple book about writing. And I recommend that uh, to all my students. It's actually all the 10 stories in your book, uh, Chandrima, they're actually set on college campuses, right? And and we know that this book was specially commissioned uh, by HarperCollins editor, Ridhima. So, uh, you know, we wanted to know how did that conversation progress, right? It is a very rare thing. It is a blessing uh, you know, most of, I would say fiction writers, especially because it's very rare, right? Most of what we see is nonfiction gets gets um, commissioned. So how did that happen to you? And how did you make that idea your own? 
It's such a lovely question, yeah, because this book has had such a strange sort of birth, you know. Uh, usually, you know, fiction writers, we complete a manuscript and then we pitch it to a publisher. This was very strange. So the origin kind of goes back to the ebook that uh, Tara mentioned that I had written. And the ebook also had a weird origin. I was literally writing those stories to cope with the pandemic. So horror stories are a coping mechanism for me. Uh, growing wow. up in the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are. And I kind of want to lend that coping mechanism to my readers as well because it's a safe space to experience emotions which are difficult, you know, and we confront those emotions in real life. Sometimes we are not able to talk about it. We are not even, we don't even allow ourselves to feel them. And uh, the thing with heavy, dark emotions sometimes is if you don't allow yourself to feel those, I believe that they can get stuck in you. You know, if you don't have that ability to even express it. So horror for me is a coping mechanism to do that because I, when I grew up in the Northeast, like in the 90s, I grew up in Shillong and Guwahati, as I was just telling you guys, the region was beset by insurgency. And uh, I mean, I saw my first, I experienced my first bomb blast when I was four years old. I was in a market with my mother and uh, curfews, you know, buns, all of that was part of our reality uh, growing up there. So. What my father's stories did for us almost was it allowed us to feel certain things. Now, when I look back, I see it. At that time, of course, it was, you know, a child is not able to kind of deconstruct things like that. But um, I've, when I moved out of Assam, all of that kind of, you know, disappeared from my life. And I also stopped writing horror. I stopped writing fiction to a very large extent at that time. So when the pandemic came, there was this need from my subconscious mind to mimic my own father and kind of, you know, create these stories. So I was writing them literally to relieve myself of, of certain feelings. I uh -huh. could feel fear, I could feel anxiety and I could like express them through my pen in very different contexts, in almost funny, entertaining ways. But I could do that. Like I was writing this on Medium, <laughs> not even as an ebook. And somebody on my Facebook just messaged saying, listen, I like reading on Kindle. It's my favorite device. So this, you know, tell you about the power of Amazon. But they're like, can you put this up on Kindle? So I'm like, okay, I'll compile it. And I got very excited because I'm like, I'll do a cover design. So I did my own cover design. Very excited, like a child doing something for the first time. And I put it up on Kindle. Mm -hmm. I announced it on my social media. And the book went beyond my friends and family. I was really surprised by this. And it reached Ridhima. So when Ridhima approached me, she had noticed a pattern in the Talking Dead, which was a lot of the stories talked about urban legends in different, you know, college settings. So I was again doing something which is heritage for me, which is storytellers in the Northeast, and I'm sure in other regions of India as well, we repurpose folklore to tell them as our own stories. We often do that. So I was just doing that. And Ridhima was like, no, this is, this is great. This is a concept. This is a book concept. Would you write this? My reaction to her request, so she basically she found me on LinkedIn, which was quite funny. My initial reaction was that this is a scam because LinkedIn is full of scams. Yeah, so I, my God. I should not believe her. I was like, this is some fraud. So I rejected it because I didn't think there were enough college urban legends. And Ridhima was beautifully persistent, thankfully, you know, for me, because she's like, just, you know, look, look for them for two, three weeks. If you can't find them, then it's a different story. Like, I'll give this a shot. Now, when I actually started, like, that two weeks or three weeks of research, initial research, just to get the concept down, I got the shock of my life. Because I did not expect so many horror 
you know scary supernatural urban legends to be floating around in the ether of you know our college campuses i did not expect like to find first person accounts at least not as many as i did that was a big surprise i think but the bigger surprise for me was i figured out at some point during this that there is this whole element of very real fearful experiences that these students have been having which they've embedded into the urban legends once i saw that i was like i'm i want to write this book this is why i want to write this book because uh, it it's talking to something that's really there it's beating in the hearts of students it sounds like such a fun process you know researching all of these legends and uh putting your own spin on them and i'm actually really curious uh you know because about how you did your research when dhima said you know go and find out you know what you can and i'm waiting for you so uh you must have spoken to many people across many colleges to find out about different kinds of you know urban legends on which you could base your story so i want to know who all did you speak to like how did you reach out to, to them uh could you sort of maybe narrate one incident of uh you know speaking to a student and finding out something that you then included in the book yeah so i had a three pronged research process one prong of it really was me trolling the internet like an obsessed person so i started with like very you know surface level clickbaity stories like five haunted haunted colleges of india so i'd be like let me read this and there would be like very interesting you know stories that journalists or people had kind of like pulled out from the ether of our collective consciousness but um, then i also started reading a few ac- academic articles you know prepared by researchers who were looking into lore generation that was also interesting for me and that informed a lot of my thought process on how the urban legends become what they are and it had some of them had examples of us universities but it 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 told me the how rather than you know what the specific legends were the second prong of my research was uh, kind of you know diving into my own family's collection of stories so there i i knew that my father had a couple of them so i you know had a, convers- a conversation with him asking him you know does he remember something and one of the stories the sacrifice which is the ninth story in the book and it says it's set in shillong it said uh, the legend comes from his time which is like the 1970s but i've kind of changed the time period of the story to be during the 90s which is when i met shillong and i've known shillong so uh, but i've used the legend that he he told me about and i used one of my brother's stories as well which features as uh, who the f is alice it's set in pune so i used a bit of something that actually was experienced by him and i used the legend which was alice richmond there so there's a bit of a frankensteinian process happening here the third uh, prong of my research was speaking to people now i put a call out on all my social media saying that you know i i want to know more about legends and stories and first person accounts you know where they in your college uh, you know of, of that sort but um, the response to that was very mixed so horror has a bit of a you know polarizing uh, property so some people are like oh this is not you know we are not taking this seriously this is just you know it's it's something you know strange and fetishy i was like no no it's not i'm trying to write a book so but a few people did respond very positively and the positive response from people was very strong so they were like yes we have a legend we want to talk about it so the legend which is there in ferguson college that was from somebody i had 
you know uh, i got a response from somebody on twitter uh, and she was like you know i studied at ferguson and there's this whole legend of an apparition that is sometimes visible in the college's garden college campus's garden area this particular spot and i spoke to another person who was also from ferguson college a different person who connected with me on facebook and she mentioned the same legend she said there's a spot in our campus gardens which is where none of us want to sit we don't know why we never used to want to sit there it felt wrong or it felt strange oh my god <laughs> so so when i kept hearing you know sort of the same story around this one legend in ferguson it made me very curious to find out more so and i started reading up about ferguson colleges like history when i looked up sort of you know dug dug more into it i discovered that there really had been a murder suicide on campus it was not just urban legend there really had been a murder of a young girl apparently at that very spot and it had happened in the early 90s and uh, although the details of that case are not clear but apparently she was um, she was killed by somebody who was either her boyfriend or was romantically interested in her so this was a case of a toxic relationship gone wrong and when i read that it kind of broke my heart and it, it also reframed the meaning of the urban legend for me that you know young women who are going entering college for the first time a lot of them are getting into a relationship for the first time and sometimes maybe not getting into a relationship but experiencing interest from uh, from the other gender for the first time and uh, some of this is not easy to deal with some of this can get very abusive very toxic very difficult so the sort of you know underlying tone of the urban legend it lay in the urban legend if you if you dig deep enough it sprung out mm-hmm. with the iits also you know i kept getting these stories of um, you know iit bhu rurki iit madras iit kanpur it was a very similar pattern that i kept getting from alumni as well as you know on the internet forums on kora and reddit and everywhere of like uh, suicide rooms um you know apparitions of boys or girls who typically it would be a boy because these are older iits and the pop, sort of the legends are also older so in the 90s the female population wasn't high in these colleges typically it's a male student who's hung themselves or committed suicide in some way and their apparition is often visible on campus and so me to me it was almost like a cautionary tale that you know you die but you're still stuck here yeah true i mean it's not just the horror actually in your book right it's more about the trauma and the tragedy that pulls these characters i think that was really um heartbreaking right it's almost like the psychological thriller you go on this ride and and you discover these characters it's not just the thrills um th- that you write it for uh, during my time in mount carmel college um uh, you know i lived in the hostel right the girls hostel on campus and and somebody you know as a seniors had told us that apparently one of the rooms in the old uh, girls hostel was haunted apparently a girl had committed suicide and mm. and people could still hear their uh, hear her screams now and then you know and and we just you know we we took it lightly like of course while some take it seriously some don't right we were just actually very curious at that point but only after reading your book book i really thought about that girl you know after mm. all these years i was thinking okay so is there any truth to it you know what must have happened i mean if it if it happened what must have happened to that girl so I think your book makes us also, uh, I would say, uh, introspect and and think about these uh, topics. But then I just wanna, I just wanna think about the genre of horror itself. Like we are so, as humans, 
interested in it you know we half believe it we half don't so i want to find out from you guys do you do you believe in the supernatural do you believe in these urban legends or the paranormal that you might have found out about chandrima such a great question and also very dangerous question so i'm going to try to be very honest with this so the one line answer would be i don't know and uh, because i cannot know beyond a point i i see this as when we look at you know human perception uh, our eyes can only see a certain band of frequencies which is that bigger color level you know there are other animals which can see it in infrared in ultraviolet all of that um our ears can also pick up a certain band of frequencies our sense of touch also functions in a very specific way our, t- our sense of smell functions in a very specific way which means that if you look at like a in a in a very like scientific very logical way we experience one slice of reality through our bodies um uh, there's always a question of you know are there other slices of reality out there that we may not be able to experience given the limitations of our form um so that opens up the question that what is even paranormal something could be very you know real and t- so if for example bats are communicating in echolocation or in other ways we don't experience it because it's beyond beyond our perception but it is there and it is happening so that's kind of like one question that i'll leave you with almost an answer to your question the other thing that i'll say is there are things which are intangible but which have a very real impact on our you know regular existence i often see like organizations nations etc etc as entities i see sometimes you know certain beliefs as entities as well that you can have a certain belief that this is you know this is important for me so you know the way we do gods and goddesses also lakshmi mata is a symbol of wealth so there's this whole symbol association with things which are intangible but which actually powerfully impact your life now i'm not saying ghosts are real you know i'm being a little bit i'm trying to be perhaps perhaps a little bit more abstract than that <laughs> but uh, but there are there are a lot of intangible things that we may not be able to put into words or forms that are very you know we can't we can't like put them down and say you know here is what it is i can touch feel see it but it doesn't mean that they don't exist so for me uh, you know like actually being a catholic i've grown up thinking about you know uh, like we believe in good spirits evil spirits exorcism right you must have seen there are a lot of hollywood movies which cover um, oh, yeah. exorcism that's something i have i've i've grown up with but i uh, i would say i am not um, a big fan of paranormal or supernatural stories but what mm-hmm. i like more is when when humans are featured and when the evil side of humans are are uh kind of you know where, where you really understand the depths of how how a person could be you know complicated yeah. and also i think react to situations which is what i actually love in your book like i i actually chandrama your argument is exactly my argument and i actually <laughs> do believe i don't know if it's right thing to say but i do believe in it and that's why i i i never can like i never pick up horror because the thing is i believe in it and and i feel like because i believe in it i like could call these things into my life i know this is not rational but i have found actually that reading horror is actually mm. a very fun experience for me you know in movies it gets very intense it's a very different mm. format but um you know like reading your book i i was having fun i was scared i was 
but it was an enjoyable kind of experience like what you said the warm embrace uh, of horror <laughs> and another one that uh, <clears throat> another another book which i read as an adult you know i i've read a lot of goosebumps and all those kids uh was jessica falero's goa go story so i feel like because of you because of these books i'm going to get more i'm going to pick up definitely going to pick up more horror books now that's very cool yeah and out of all the um stories in your collection actually you know my favorite story um okay wait before i say it can you guess <laughs> i just i want to know can you guess which one would be my favorite both of us both of us have the same favorite because my favorite yeah is so maybe you can oh, yeah guess. I'm going to guess the same as Aishwarya which is the ninth story it's the sac- that's her favorite story the sacrifice so I'm going to guess if it's the same one Okay no actually ours is the inner door ah. we absolutely loved it of course because of you know the the spooky elements in the story but also you know for me at least i could see a part of you in it right like i mean one of the characters is from the northeast and and she faces a lot of discrimination based on her ethnicity so you know I wanted to know what did you want the readers to take away from that particular experience of that character because it was it was very um uh, I would say real very heartbreaking it's something that happens throughout our country so I think this is I mean I'm going to again try not to give away spoilers about it but I think this is one of the stories where the story may start in abject deje- you know dejection abject rejection she feels like she's a fish out of water she's struggling to cope with delhi and it's not it's not just racism but also because culturally it's so different people speak differently the tonality they use on a regular basis is very different from what she's used to so she's kind of like it's culture shock and it is racism for her but she's clinging on to the hope that there are there is a potential to find a friend in her roommate there is a potential to find you know kind people you know even if they're so different from her so i think i i wanted to kind of talk about this experience of being a student from the northeast and you know other other cities in india and a lot of my friends have experienced this you know i i don't because my sort of appearance is is not uh, it's not uh, from the region but a lot of my friends have experienced this and i kind of wanted to like almost tell our collective story through through the experiences of uh, this girl called sushma that was my hope another thing i really liked about this book so what i kept doing was i kept reading the story and then i would uh look at the urban legend the notes in the back and sort of compare uh-huh. so i found that quite interesting because you had written the kind of urban legend it was based on i want to ask uh, another craft based question um obviously writing writing horror has a lot to do with scene building and keeping up a certain tempo of atmosphere throughout um and you know uh, how i wanted to know for our listeners and for readers how does a horror writer keep the page turning how do you keep that atmosphere of terror because you don't have music and you don't mm. have visuals like you do in a movie so mm. i'd love to know you know maybe the abc's of writing horror so i think the really good horror story should be able to stand its ground without a single jump scare i for me that's you know that's sort of the uh, bar now when we when you're writing a horror story i think the first thing that you need to figure out it what's the fear that you're working with and a lot of lot of writers also use that fear as motivation to design character across jo- genres you know what is this character most afraid of what is the second biggest fear what is the third biggest fear of this character so on and so forth 
so there's this whole you know character based fear identification for me when i was writing this book though i couldn't start from there that was a limitation because i couldn't start with character i had to start with urban legend so for me the question became when i look at this urban legend or when i look at this college setting what is the fear that we are talking about what are what exactly are they afraid of is it a lady in a white sari what about her are they afraid of so when we look at the for example when we deconstruct you know the typical lady in white sari standing on the side of the road and your car is coming by when you see her and you open the door and she steps in and her feet are ulta that like that's the urban legend there what is it that the what is it that that man is afraid of who's driving the car is his fear that there is a woman on the road who can harm me typically a woman is not supposed to be able to harm me on the road right she's the sort of you know physically weaker person here you know she doesn't have a car the reversal is happening because it taps into his fear that even he is vulnerable even he can be a victim that is the fear that that legend taps into so the deal is to uncover what is the fear you're working with i'll give you the example of the shining the fear that stephen king is working with working with for jack torrance is his fear of actually hurting his uh, child and his family and as the book progresses you'll see that the fear gets more and more possible it is more and more possible that he might do exactly what he's afraid of and that's the engine that is what is keeping the page turning it's not the fact that there's the overlook hotel and the overlook hotel does this the overlook hotel is, hotel also represents another fear which is the fear of manipulation you know something can tip you over it can press exactly the buttons at the points where you're weakest and tip you over to indulge in the thing that you're afraid of doing if i can add to that chadrava another biggest fear was him being a writer right like he wanted to write something really good and and that scene is the most chilling scene i think when we see what he has actually written yeah yeah oh my god that's that was a brilliant reveal right and again the the whole punch the whole setup construction so michelle you are you are, you remind me of the second thing that i want to talk about which is essentially a uh, scare is very much structurally like a joke in a in a very strange way there's a setup uh you know with a with a scary moment there's often a setup where you have certain assumptions and then there is a punchline so in the scene that you're talking about with the overlook uh, hotel and what he's writing his, the setup is his fear of you know writing i'm not good enough as a writer that is yes. the setup and you're setting it up and the punchline is not only are you not a good enough writer you are no longer a writer so oh that's the punchline yeah it's chilling it's chilling yeah, yeah. i have actually mind. i haven't actually uh, read it but i feel like i'm getting a class in horror writing especially <laughs> like the way to think about the way to think about fear you know to classify fear like that you know uh, the college campus as you mentioned it's such a fertile ground for these kind of stories uh but i was also interested because you wrote the entire book during the pandemic mm-hmm. so did you yeah. get to visit any of these haunted sites that feature in the book as part of your research that would have been ideal to be honest i mean of course uh, it doesn't make any economic sense for any writer that alone a pandemic to actually go into 10 different campuses and do all that because it doesn't doesn't make sense for the kind of advances in royalties we get screenwriters can do that i think but i wanted to do it anyway out of curiosity but i couldn't uh, so i had to draw upon my memories of some of these campuses i have visited some of them in real life so i visited iit kharagpur which is why in that particular story you'll see tremendous detail about the layout of the campus as you know people are sort of trying to escape something you'll see them like going through the actual campus 
um i visited ferguson college of course i i think that they have a beautiful campus just just the gothic buildings are so so pretty i've been been to dus i've been to dus north campus i've been in the pgs there and i saw that dynamic like first hand happening at the pg the sort of not the urban legend part of it but the you know human dynamic and i kind of stole it from there and uh, of course the last college in the book is my own college uh and uh, sort of the hostel dynamics there that's also you know something very real that was a story that i did not do any research for that that one popped in directly from my own experiences and uh friends experiences but yeah i i got to visit some of them but not uh, not others i probably have scanned through 300 400 photographs of certain campuses which i didn't get to visit like saint beads college in shimla i flipped through crazy numbers of like videos on the internet of their annual functions like somebody doing a tour of the college i've spent hours on that like looking at google maps trying to make sure that i have you know my characters are moving in reasonable ways in appropriate ways and all of that absolutely <laughs> yeah and i think more than more than your book i think the process is something that that really um i would say i is something very relatable for me because especially you know you're not from a non uh, i mean you're from a non literary background right you've done your btech then your mm. mba and you've also worked in the management field for a very long time so i really wanted to know when did writing happen to you is it something recent did it slowly creep up on you and and suddenly took over writing is something that i have denied myself for a very long time because i have i've been you know much like jack with jack torrance the fear is am i not a good enough writer for me the fear was uh, if i if i become a writer then um, i will be a very you know i will be a struggling artist i will be financially unstable that really was my fear and it was a fear that i had from a very young age so writing when my father used to tell his stories obviously you know like like a little monkey i would imitate him and started you know creating my own little stories and catch hold of relatives and friends and whoever would visit our house i'm like uncle can i tell you a story so you know other people's parents used to be like beta beta poems so now mine used to be like don't harass the guests i'm like uncle story so so i because i ran out of willing audiences after a point i had to write my stories down so i started writing like ghost stories but i also wrote a lot of humor pieces i would write poetry my poetry got published in a lot of newspapers they didn't know it was a 13 year old child writing it but uh, i was very like you know i was doing all this like heartbroken i'm like i'm crushing on rithik roshan and writing about heartbreak and they are thinking it's an adult person writing about very real heartbreak i was a very voracious reader so I used to read everything. I used to read like when they'd serve chart in newspaper thongas. I would open the thonga and read that. So, so I was like, I already feel that you know writers are not you know they are not very they have to have to struggle a lot. That was my whole like idea. And I'm like, I I I don't want to struggle in my life always. I want to get out of this region. I want to have some life which has some sort of stability. So that was a like huge thing in in the back of my head. My parents were absolutely not bothered about this. I think if I had told them that I want to be a writer they would have been very happy. I think the other thing that happened to me at some point was I'm reasonably good at maths. So this whole idea entered my head that you know this is how the world works. Mathematics not literature. I went to New York. I had a I got a job at Wall Street and I was working with like different investment banks for my clients and I hated that job. So I had become that left-brained very you know logical engineer and I hated living in that I hated living that story. I hated being that person. I felt like I had been shrunk. So 
I again started writing like some stories when I was in New York. Whenever I used to get a little bit of time and I was planning to come back to India, I didn't want to live that, you know, finance life sort of uh, that was there for me. So then I had wrote, written like four or five stories from that frustration. I come back to India, come back to India, and at an alumni meet, I meet Amish Tripathi, who had written the Immortals of Milwa. Oh wow! Amish, yeah. Huge hit. And uh, I tell Amish that this is happening in my life. He's like, sit with me for half an hour. Let's talk. So he asked me like, what kind of novel do you want to write? So I was like, maybe horror, supernatural. You know, that's kind of like I love that. He's like, can you name commercial horror writers in India? And I couldn't. And then he's like, can you name any horror writers in India? And I was like, Ruskin Bond, <laughs> Ruskin Bond, Satyajit Ray, <laughs> Rabindranath Tagore, uh, Ranju Hazarika. I started naming these people. He's looking at me. He's like, no, no. Like last five years, I said no one. He's like, okay. So after listening to his story, I'm like, I don't have so much money. I don't have money in my pocket to stick around and do this for two years. I don't have money in my pocket to like push marketing. I don't have money in my pocket to do anything. And neither do I have perspective to give people a story that that would contain enough wisdom. I really felt that that I'm like, yes, maybe I can construct interesting sentences and you know entertain them, but. What is below that? I didn't feel that in my heart, so I went back to Priya and I said, "I'm so sorry, Priya. I don't think I can write a novel. I'll have to. I'll do my consulting for a long time now." So I did did eight years of uh, strategy consulting, but in the social impact sector. So I was traveling all over India, into people's homes, talking about water, sanitation, reproductive health, how you know how they received, whether they received clean energy, what was the scene on that, what you know, cook stoves, all of that. and i collected so many stories from people and this whole love for stories got kick started again because i was listening Amazing. to other people's stories and uh, yeah i started i started i did a few like storytelling shows with tall tales and commune during that time but like maybe one or two a year i didn't i didn't have bandwidth for that but um, i basically got burned out by the eighth year i think my my sort of bosses at my firm were like we are considering looking at you uh, for partnership and uh, you know we'll do we'll have some sales targets and stuff like that i was like okay if i become a partner <laughs> in our firm <laughs> then other people sort of you know employment and there's you know the revenues are dependent on me which means i shouldn't leave unless i really want to rock the boat so if i have to leave i need to leave now so i told them i'm going to leave now and uh, yeah i didn't know what i would do for a while after that then the pandemic started and the ghost stories arrived so there's a lot of like stuff which is not me doing things but me kind of growing seeds inside of myself but i said i just i love that metaphor because uh, you know often times like even i and all of us feel that oh we want to do this or we want to do that and like you know like mm-hmm. we're not able to sort of achieve what we want um, but i really like this metaphor of like always planting the seeds uh because i feel like that's something that i also try and do you know and sometimes it's very easy to get frustrated but then yeah. it all some it all can come together so your story is is quite inspiring for me you know my parents were the same way so i did economics and history then i went to do management because of um, hmm. you know how everybody's whatever like the same reasons that you said and my dad i remember called me up in college and he said why aren't you studying english literature Yeah. No, yeah. and and the most recent achievement of yours is is you know of course the South Asia mentorship, right? You mentioned Aruni Kashyap. I think I really like his writing as well because it's it's not just the Northeast element but also this immigrant 
uh, tale, you know. So I I really love his um, his work. So maybe you can you know tell us a little bit about that. How has it been going? How has it added to your journey as a writer? I'm so glad you're asking about Satisha Speaks. I think for me, I'm so grateful to Sonia Falero for doing all the groundwork to get this mentorship started. Like, I I I think this is a person who's doing something for other writers, literally from the bottom of their heart. And that's I think that's amazing. Um, I applied to them in December. There was a little break between, uh, you know, when I was writing this manuscript and I had sent it to my editor, there was a break of a couple of months and this novel started germinating in my brain. And it's a novel set in Assam. So unlike a commissioned piece, for me, you know, something growing out of my gut was like a new experience. I was like, oh my God, this is, I, I want to write this novel. And it's about a girl who travels to Assam. I won't tell you too much details about it, but it is speculative fiction. I wouldn't call it horror also. It's speculative fiction more broadly. So when I applied to this me- to this uh, mentorship program, I was like, nahi milega, not happening. And then I received this email from Sonia saying, you know, you've been selected and Aruni is your mentor. I'm like, oh my God, I love Aruni. So it's been a great uh, experience kind of talking to him about writing. He's I've made him into my agony aunt of sorts. And he is exactly that kind of person. He's a very, he's a, he's a very, you know, he gives advice, which is not hard advice. He gives advice, which is very like, these are your choices. This is how things are, but these are your choices. You can engage with this as you'd like. And he's done something to my writing, which is a lot of fun. He's basically made me think about my novel. Also, like, he's like, literary fiction is good. You want to write with a certain craft. That's great. But get the craft of writing a good scene well. Get the craft of getting the plot twist well. I know these are not like literary. This is not seen as literary, but you need to nail that. You know, you need to it's nail important. surprise. Yes. Yeah. You need yes. to hook people. You have to. So he's like, think about your chapters as episodes where the episode, you know, like a Sarsbahu serial, it needs to end where the person is like, no, no, I need to know what happens next. He's also made me think about like uh, getting more formal training in writing. He's, he's, you know, talk to me about, think about an MFA think about writing workshops, you know, there's a value to that. I did not see the value to that to the extent that I do now. And a lot of that is thanks to him. Right. No, and that's uh, refreshing and exactly what, what, you know, like I tell my students, because I think as literary writers, you get caught up with all of this, right? The language, how beautiful it is. But I think these are the basics of, of, you know, what keeps the reader going. We know in India, it's very tough to be a full-time writer, right? Most of the Mm -hmm. writers dream about it. And I think one writer we spoke to, Manu Pillai, he's another one who said that he's now a full-time writer. So we know that it's very difficult. So how has it been for you? Is it something you've already, I mean, I mean, has it turned out the way you envisioned to be you know so I still like I do I do like other things to make money sometimes I do take on projects I do take on consulting projects I am uh, I've kept my you know finance brain alive so I trade uh, I'm a shameless swing trader (laughs) on the stock market (laughs) so I've kept all of that alive so that kind of gives me financial stability and a certain you know kind of income which allows me to then you know, write an experiment. I think the other, the thing that's really surprised me about declaring myself as a full-time writer is once you say that out in the world, it's very surprising how projects start, can also start coming to you. So I have another commissioned piece coming and I suspect that it is because I've declared myself a full-time writer. So my next piece is an, is an audio show. 
um the thought process that this person won't have the bandwidth to take it on so when i say i'm a full time writer it means that my first priority is writing if there's bandwidth for other things which i need to do to make some money give myself some stability i will do that but uh, this is my priority wow i never thought of that that way but that makes total sense very interesting i have learned i think so much more than i have in a very long time so thank you for that but before we let you go uh aishwarya is going to be speaking to you next about book recommendations welcome to a new special section of books and beyond with bound we're going to talk about reading recommendations but we're also going to do something new which is deep dive into the horror genre with chandrabha but before that let me introduce myself So I'm Ashwarya Zawargekar. I actually produce this podcast and I'm the host of The Book People, which is our other podcast where I interview experts from the publishing industry. And I ask them every single question I've ever had about books and how publishing really works. But today, I'm excited to talk to Chandrima because I was actually really lucky to read her book much before it got published when Chandrima came to Bound to get her manuscript evaluated. So I was lucky enough to evaluate the manuscript and I had such a blast going through each of her horror stories and really appreciating the craft and the thought that went behind them. So hi Chandrama. Hi Ashwarya, so lovely speaking to you again. Yes, you too. And I hope you're really ready to nerd out about horror with me right now. Absolutely. It's so rare to find a fellow horror nerd, so I'm very excited. <laughs> I agree me too. So if you had to introduce a new person to the horror genre, you know, someone who's not sort of familiar with horror, what would you tell them to start with? I think it depends on the person and what else they like. So for me, I think a good way in which I think of recommendations is uh go off of what they already know and then uh recommend something to them that is that has influences of that already so for example if someone is into say you know thrillers and mystery then i would recommend something which has thriller and mystery elements to them to it uh, besides just you know besides horror so a lot of stephen king's work has thriller and mystery elements to it and then it has horror even i remember like one of the first thriller mystery books that i read which i loved which has elements of gothic horror was rapni du morio's rebecca that's a very yeah. good you know starting point for somebody to get into the more gothic horror elements someone's into romance again rebecca is a good one if somebody someone's into something uh, else you know adventure story so dracula is adventure horror so i would look for what they already like and then where does that genre meet horror that's how i would think of it that's such a great way to look at it that's actually what i do as well and i love rebecca so much i was so excited when you mentioned that like the book and the movie and i think the reboot that came out on netflix yeah. i think last year so i definitely agree it's fun to like find the genre that they really like and then find a book that intersects with horror and sort of recommend that to them you know there are so many types that even you are sort of covering with your collection in your stories mm-hmm. like you have stories with a you know a cursed object like pen for your thoughts or you have like the the Ouija board with who the f is alice then hmm. you have sort of this haunted house like haunted manor location horror hmm. uh you know with challenge accepted and stuff like that and then obviously there's always the good old old fashioned ghost haunting 
Hmm. And you have also covered like psychological horror. You have covered this idea of you know human beings being horrifying, which <laughs> they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this range and diversity that you have sort of covered was that intentional? Uh, was it just because of you know the urban legends happened to be diverse, or was it that you went into this collection thinking that you wanted to make sure that each story was diverse? So when I think of like the way I wrote Young Blood, one of the biggest considerations that I have is I am telling other people's stories. You know, it's not the typical book where I am telling a story that's you know originated straight from my gut. It is based off of urban legends and other people's first person accounts. One of the things that you want to do is to make sure that you don't you know tell the same story over and over again in three or four different ways but the natural urge is to tell as many different kinds of stories so range becomes a very important value you want to sort of exhibit the range of narratives around colleges that are there so diversity always almost was like a agreed upon you know value system between me and rithima my editor that we want to we want coverage we want diversity so that was yeah. kind of almost baked into the scope of it. diversity of horror tropes that you mentioned that was something that i didn't think so consciously about but when i looked at the urban legends i looked for you know 10 different themes that were there 10 different kinds of fear that, fears that were there automatically then you end up with 10 different horror tropes because each horror trope almost addresses a different kind of fear a werewolf trope addresses a different kind of fear a cursed object trope addresses a different flavor of fear so that kind of like it almost unfolded because of the nature of the project absolutely but was you know in terms of writing each of these stories did that change i mean did you have to think about different things while writing each story depending on what kind of horror it was oh yeah definitely definitely so uh, i think this book made me think of myself almost as a medium of sorts so you know there are different <laughs> characters speaking through me uh, through my uh, intonations through my vocabulary through my language they are telling their story so i i often f- almost felt very you know like an intuitive medium and or a channel of sorts book i really felt like you know very different kinds of you know characters or energies were talking you know almost through me yeah almost like you were sort of the translator where a story existed and it was sort of your responsibility to make sure it was told in a great way but yes oh, that's so interesting also very spooky take on sort of your own writing process <laughs> to match with this horror theme but what would you say is your favorite type of horror amongst all of these types yeah i think that's a really lovely question because for me the more internalized the horror of something is the more it scares me the more effect it has on me for example when i read and and of course when i watched the haunting of hill house for me mm. the horror is not about the house the horror that shelly jackson and of course mike flanagan in his series as well point to is the experience that that character is going through and their own personal fears that is that are being triggered that kind of horror really gets me more than you know the horror of a, you know a lot of other horror movies like uh, say a blair witch project or something which is very focused on what is happening outside you enjoy sort of that more psychological or mental or internal horror rather than sort of physical horror absolutely absolutely physical horror to me evokes disgust in a way yeah. i think more than like you know it won't make me it won't uh, 
you know make me stay up all night i'll be like yuck and then after 15 minutes i'll be like that was horrible this is disgusting and then i kind of like i'll go back to you know my sort of balance point while if something is very internal sometimes my own personal fears get reflected in that that oh my god you know for example i was recently reading the push which is not horror but it has many horrifying elements to it yeah. and i was like oh my god like oh my god my god motherhood can be so scary so so that <laughs> that gets me i feel exactly the same way i think physical horror you know um especially something that's sort of bloody or gory uh is sort of in the moment it can be horrifying or it can be disgusting but it doesn't stay with you or haunt you in, in a way yeah. that sort of internal or psychological horror does yeah I in think, fact i would say it almost me reminds me that i am safe from it you're still safe in like your cozy blanket exactly exactly That's, i actually feel the same i think the only story which has like a lot of physical um description or like physical horror that has really creeped me out for days on end is uh this story called it's a short story called the human chair by erugawa okay. ramko uh you should definitely read it yeah. i mean it's called the human chair so i would leave it to you to draw your assumptions of what is happening in that story but it really leaves you uh disturbed mentally but in this very physically reactive way yeah which i feel like is the best of both worlds that he has been able to achieve yeah so i think japanese and korean horror do this very beautiful thing where they they will give you physical horror but they link it back to the psychological to the disturbance inside you know the human mind or the disturbance exactly. inside society so that then the physical horror becomes so visceral and haunting and i remember we were also having this conversation a few months ago about horror you know as a genre versus horror as a trope or as elements in other genres right like thrillers or sci-fi or dystopian fiction have a lot of elements of horror hmm. like uh, black mirror or squid games you know hmm. very much horrifying though not technically i guess horror hmm. so uh, you know your because your next work is speculative fiction hmm. will we see elements of horror in that work or in your future writing absolutely you definitely will see elements of horror i i mean i am almost tempted to treat horror as an emotion uh, in in a in sort of our indian you know uh, culture we often say bibhatsa rasa so it is that rasa that uh, is my uh, is 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 my aim it's something that i think uh, i want to keep working with because it helps me express something that i have within myself i think whether i do science fiction whether i do fantasy i probably will stick to the speculative fiction you know broader scope of things but i think horror will probably keep having a recurring role in that i love that answer so much um, i did my masters actually on horror and gothic but i was looking mm-hmm. at horror and gothic tropes in commercial thrillers but gone girl type of thrillers which today are so popular and i feel like as a reader every time i'm picking up a book i'm sort of looking for tropes of horror in that book because i enjoy reading them so much even if the books are not technically horror hmm so i love that you have been able to articulate that so well you know i think for a lot of us we need to express this we you know vibhatsha or very ugly uh, you know difficult these are difficult emotions at the end of the day that we we search for safe places to express this and when we read something that has elements of it even if it is mixed in with something else it 
it kind of enables expression of that within ourselves we're like oh my god you know i can relate to it at this level also i agree i feel like you know even these fairy tales i mean not the disney versions but like the grim tales or the original sort of fairy tales had so many sort of gruesome or almost horrifying elements right like this idea of uh, say the wolf in little red riding hood hmm. and how these um, horror tropes are sort of used to talk about and um, even in your stories you have used horror in a way to make some comments about indian society right like sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's sort of the horror is very clear and sort of out there whether it's racism mm-hmm. you know you have talked about toxic relationships uh women throughout the book sort of felt more seen as characters and you know you covered a lot of like different kinds of things that women go through Hmm. but uh, as a writer how important was it for you to include these critiques you know like what do you think of would you write a horror story without any social commentary if that's even possible so recently i read this article which appeared in the guardian which was uh, its headline was uh, millennials are using horror as a mechanism to comment on society and i found it very very amusing <laughs> because i'm like mary shelley was doing it when she was 19 which is like a few hundred years ago uh and um, you know for me i think um, horror talks about fears at the end of the day and fears are often linked to what we think is difficult or what is painful within us as humans or in society in our communities in groups etc so once that linkage is something that you can see then you will always link someone's fears to that you know commentary or that critique you know when you ask the question ki will you be doing it going forward as well is this going to be a part of your work it is just so baked into how i see horror so it is baked it is sort of baked into you know whatever stories that i'll be writing it's it will be there but i think there are people who can uh, you know write horror without commenting on society just as there are people who can do uh, you know comedy or do jokes without commenting upon society as well and i feel like the most memorable or most impactful horror stories as such where the horror sort of stays with you after you finish reading the story or i guess watching a movie are those which have that some semblance of either psychological or social reality in that sense because that's why it stays with you right like it has to be relatable to some extent otherwise like you said once you're finished experiencing it then you sort of just feel safe in wherever you are and the point of horror is to after you finish reading something make you feel unsafe so basically <laughs> you're using horror stories to transmit ghosts into people's houses and minds <laughs> that's yes. essentially what i'm hearing from you <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're the writer you tell me i feel like that's true yeah that's the hope it's it's more food for thought than a ghost to chase you you know and switch your lights on and off when you're sleeping um so when i was sort of evaluating or going through your stories i noticed that you have this knack i think i told you then as well <laughs> but you have this knack yeah. for including really like small small details that adds to the realism of the stories you know and provides almost a sensory experience especially because you were talking about different college campuses and different kinds of campuses also right so yeah. uh, names of roads uh, what do people dress or sound like so how important do you think uh, realism is in horror in general and like how much attention did you sort of 
pay to or how much did you really focus on getting these details right so when you use realism in horror or in uh, you know in science fiction also i would say fantasy of course the world itself often is uh, built is um, you make the unbelievable more believable because at the end of the day you're talking about things which may be paranormal supernatural things which are sometimes not paranormal or supernatural but on the fringes of human behavior if you're doing psychological horror so yeah. there is often an element of you know is this even possible that that suspension of disbelief is enabled more when you use very realistic settings when you use real relatable characters when you sort of lure the reader into believing at least at the beginning of the story that what they are reading is very very possible and i also think that uh, the more realistic it is the more mm-hmm. easy it is to sort of get the reader to feel like they are a part of the story so that they feel the horror like they're not just witnessing another person being scared but they're sort of next to the person almost right by creating the sensory experience where they feel like they're yeah. a part of the story rather than just sort of uh watching it happen or unfold or even me as a reader helps me believe that this could be this could happen to me right yeah exactly and i think a lot of uh, it's not just books but i think films also do that so in a lot of horror movies what you'll see is point of view shots you know the camera is sort of walking through the corridor you may not see the prota- you know you know the protagonist is walking through the corridor but it's the viewer who's walking through the corridor as the camera is going so you won't see this in a lot of other types of films necessarily but horror uses a lot of these kinds of pov camera angles like even if i look at indian movies if you see bhoot or raat ram gopal verma's early early horror movies he uses a lot of pov shots so that makes the viewer feel as if they are in that space these are not beautiful shots but these are very creepy shots yeah yeah and then also uh, a lot of horror movies having this almost like documentary or hidden footage like hidden camera yeah, found footage. footage yes yeah kind of a feel right because again that adds to the realism of obviously it's not the most like well shot scenes but that sort of adds to the impact of feeling like you found this um that this is as real as i guess it possibly could be absolutely okay so since we've been talking about horror and you know you keep talking about how horror is all about fear i want to ask you what is your biggest fear you know and this is very deep this question <laughs> but <laughs> i will try to make it fun so if you were in a horror story if you were the protagonist of a horror story what kind of story would it be Oh it would be the story of a person who is so risk averse and is so afraid of being mediocre that they don't put their work out there that they never come out of their shell and their you know potential work is the ghost that haunts them that would be the kind of horror story for me and that is in fact like one of the biggest blockages that i have you know faced myself as well i think uh, in with tara and michelle i do discuss the fact that i i've been running away from writing for a while because you know being not being good enough uh, being uh, you know not not being able to express what i think in my stories is a fear that i do have and that fear has held me back so this is this is this is my horror story in a way but then you've already overcome your horror in a way would you agree i've made inroads into it but i think the fear of failure the fear of not uh, being able to develop my craft enough not being able to learn enough not being able to you know write the stories that uh should be written in the best way possible so that 
is an ongoing battle. So even when I'm writing my novel, I'll write the first draft and I'm like, there was a conversation I had with my mentor, Aruni, where I'm like, I don't want to write this. I want to throw it in the dustbin. And he's like, why? So I'm like, it's not good enough. So not good enough is a demon that I do battle and that is it's there. I am I am battling it and hopefully I'll win uh, in bits and pieces over time. That I feel like so many, like I and so many of our listeners will be able to relate to you so much for that particular horror or that particular fear. Because yeah. I feel like so, ma- so many of us face it in different ways and deal with it in different ways. But I love what you said about this idea of not running away from the fear because I feel like also running away from it makes it into a monster but sort of embracing it sometimes and just letting it sink in (laughs) no absolutely I think all of us have these uh, you know different kinds of demons that we do battle with and uh, sometimes we have to learn instead of battling with them how do we employ this demon so I'm like now I will employ you to do my editing (laughs) you tell me what is wrong with this story and the demon is like yeah yeah I will tell you what is wrong with this story (laughs) so I'm like I feel like that's the best thing to do because that is very true when you're editing you have to have the this is not good enough brain but when you're writing you have to turn that part of you completely off because you can't (laughs) worry about it being good enough while you're writing your draft employment exchange for demons that's a good story idea i think i think i should consider it you do it write it i'll read okay Okay. uh my final question for you is and this is because like it is ultimately the reading recommendation section so Hmm. what are some horror classics that you keep going back to uh shirley jackson's haunting of hill house that's that's one that i really love i think Hmm. that's a you know, it's not an overtly scary book in that sense, but it, it investigates the demons inside somebody's mind. So that's one book. I love one very nice masala horror story. So I've reread it a couple of times. It's it's the, the, the emitable horror because it's written as a, like a journalistic uh, investigation. It's investigative journalism is the format that it takes. So it almost sounds like nonfiction. And he sold it as nonfiction also. It's funnily enough. Horror's reduced in its popularity since the 80s but i think these are books worth uh, reading for a lot of people one is house of leaves house of leaves is the one that i'd suggest because it plays with what a book format should be itself Mm -hmm. so you really feel disoriented while reading it and it's very very highly innovative very creative um you know there are there are there's text that runs you know, the, a lot of the stories told in footnotes that there's, you know, there's parts of text that's cut out because you know that somebody else is writing on top in that sense. They're writing, they're superimposing their own narrative on top of that book. So that's one that I really like. I love Stephen Graham Jones. I'm just like, uh, The Only Good Indians is a book that I read recently. It's very literary. I would almost like, I'd call it literary horror. Uh, it's a lovely book. Uh, weird, weird, bizarre horror Carmen Maria Machado's uh, uh, Her Body and Other Stories. It's a, it's a collection of short stories. Very bizarre stories. I love them. <laughs> okay. I will definitely read all of these. I don't think I've read any of these three yet. But you've given me some great horror recommendations to go check out. What are some horror podcasts that you're currently super into? Um, of course, you know, the No Sleep podcast is sort of a favorite uh, for a lot of us. So it No Sleep takes off from the Reddit No Sleep uh, forum. And a lot of the, you know, first person 
uh, horror that uh, people have written there. So there's there's been movies also made from some of the stories that have been put there. So please check that out. Pseudopod is for people who like horror in a more literary format. Pseudopod has some great uh, short stories. It has some flash fiction as well. So they do this uh, segment called Flash on the Borderlands, which I really, really love. That's a good one. Then um, the one that uh, you recommended to me, Aishwarya, I've been listening to that one as well, which is, uh, uh, what what was it? Don't uh, don't contact let's me again. Let's not meet. Yes, let's <laughs> not meet. I was going to say, don't contact me again. Yeah, let's not meet. That's on my list as well. And I've been listening to like a couple of seasons of it. So let's not meet is not, again, it's not supernatural horror, but let's not meet is... Different people experiencing let's not meet events or let's not meet people in their lives and the horror and fear that they have experienced through those. Yeah, I love that podcast because it's true horror. So I mean, horror itself being something that's so terrifying, but people being awful is the real horror. (laughs) The real horror of man all along is sort of, I think, my favorite (laughs) type of horror, if you ask me. Oh, the other podcast that I will recommend for people who like, you know, folklore and legends is, of course, Lore. You know, Lore examines different... Uh, I'm I'm so like, sometimes I feel so bad that it's only set in America. So, you know, different uh, legends and lores from the very local to the very, very, you know, super well-known ones like vampires and werewolves to a specific house in Massachusetts or a specific murder that happened. So, you know, he, he kind of, Aaron Mankey is the person who does this. It's been adapted into an Amazon web series as well. But that's uh, another podcast I'd kind of uh, encourage horror hounds to go for. Yeah, I absolutely love lore. Because of, again, that intersection of folklore and horror. So I wish we had a lore for India because we have the richness in our country to make something like that. Thank you for all of those recommendations, Chandrima. And I'm sure that our listeners will appreciate them so much. I definitely do. And thank you for talking to me about and going so much into detail about horror with me. I hope that they enjoy sort of the detail and the depth that we went into and i'll give it back over to tara and michelle so that you can have your fun rapid fire round i look forward to it thank you so much aishwarya i love talking to you we hope you guys enjoyed that guest session with aishwarya and chandrima and on to the last section of the podcast the rapid fire round uh, we're going to ask you questions and please give us your answer in one word only <laughs> Okay, so if you had to visit one campus from your book and you could take a friend along with you, which campus would it be? St. Beats Shimla. I'm so curious about that place. If you could tell a ghost one thing, what would it be? Oh, I wouldn't tell them anything. I would ask them. I would ask them like, uh, why do you exist? Uh, where, how, how did you get created? Because I, I, I am obsessed with origin stories and I want to know like, That would answer all of our questions. (laughs) Okay, so your favorite horror movie? Okay, one is really difficult, but there's one movie that has left a very strong impression on me and that is The Shining. I know the person who wrote the book, which is Mr. King, he hated the movie. He told Stanley Kubrick that you made this to hurt people. But I love that movie. I think it's, um, it's a movie that has almost no jump scares. The atmosphere of the Overlook Hotel just, it weighs on you. To By the end of the movie, you are feeling the weight of that place. So I love it. Yes. Okay, so where do you write? And would you write in a haunt, on a haunted site? 
I would never write in a haunted site. If somebody calls that place haunted, I would not write there for a very simple reason because I write at my desk uh, here in in Bombay. I have a desk with a very like which is very like super organized and everything, and I have a desk in Guwahati also at my parents' house, which is also very clean and super organized. So when I write, my tendency is to be very sensitive to stimuli. So if you notice my writing, I talk a lot about like smell, sound, sight. It's very visual. uh and that is because i become that hypersensitive when i'm writing so if i'm in a haunted house and i'm in that zone i don't think that's a very good idea <laughs> so i want to pick up anything okay great i think i think this brings us to through the end of one of the most fun episodes we have done so far all seasons combined so thank you so much adrima we had a lot of fun i had so much fun too you guys are so sweet You know Tara I want to go on a horror reading spree now I'm just addicted to it after our conversation Yeah I think you should I'm also going to tune into horror podcast right now <laughs> and that reminds me here's a reminder for all podcast enthusiasts in case if you missed it is a special announcement we are now at bound going to create a lot more original podcast so we want to work with amazing and promising creators like you guys to create podcasts across genres and categories science history sci-fi mental health if you have a podcast idea and you want to work with us pitch your podcast to us we are now accepting podcast pitches and we'll see if and how we can work together so see the link in the note uh, show note for more details on how to pitch your podcast to us I'm really looking forward to all these ideas Tara they sound so exciting I think this is the time of you know content boom and I just can't wait to see but next week we will be back with one of our own episode for more creative content follow us on our social media platforms at bound india thank you for tuning in we'll be back next wednesday with our own episode <laughs>